When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you know, Duncan, sometimes I feel that this podcast is like operating on a secret mission deep behind enemy lines. Do you? I do. What would really help me is if the RAF would fly a plane overhead and drop a like, subscribe and five-star review ahead of my position. That would make a mission so much easier. It really would. Welcome to A Pod Too Far, the place where going commando still means parachuting behind enemy lines. Today we're joining Yugoslavian partisans as we set out to kill a traitor and destroy a bridge. That's right, it's Force 10 from Navarone. I'm Rob Hutton and I'm nursing a leg injury that makes me quite unsuitable for this podcast. Climbing into my Lancaster just before takeoff is a man on the run for unspecified crimes who will, before the episode is out, have buried a corpse in some woods. Hello, Duncan Weldon. <laughs> Hello, Rob. Force 10 from Navarone. Any memories? Do you think you... Right, okay, okay. When we, when we decided to do this, I thought I'd seen it. Right. I then watched it. I hadn't seen it. And I'm going to be honest, I sort of wished I still hadn't seen it. <laughs> we will come back to that. I think this is the first, first war film I ever saw. And, and you watched more to the extent <laughs> you've done a big Well, podcast. I think if you were sort of six, yeah, okay. this, was, okay. this was pretty good. Um, and I think at the point that I saw it, I probably hadn't seen Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I if, even if I had, I certainly didn't recognise Harrison Ford. Yeah. The biggest bad effect that this film had on me as a child is, well, first of all, it, only having seen the word written down, because it's only said at the start of the film, and as, as right. previously <laughs> discussed, I, I, I never, we never ever watched the start of these films. We would turn them on and they would be going and we'd be trying yeah. to work out what the plot was. Um, I had no idea how Navarone was pronounced, mm-hmm. and I just assumed it was Navarone. Mm-hmm. And for years after that, I assumed that the guns of Navarone was yeah. Navarone, yeah. forced hand from Navarone. Um, so that's that's yeah. part of it. The other problem is that this fixed in my mind who Mallory was as sort of Robert Shaw as a bluff, posh Englishman. And so when I, in fact, then watched The Guns of Navarone, Gregory Peck was a huge disappointment. Yes. Which is wrong. Yeah, it is wrong. It is wrong. (laughs) Clearly, clearly The Guns of Navarone... I'm really glad you've recanted this for you. (laughs) I mean, clearly The Guns of Navarone is a better film on every measure. Yeah. You know, no offence to Robert Shaw, but he... Not necessarily a leading man in the way that, that, that Gregory Peck was just... Clearly a leading yeah. man. Um, yes, I mean, they don't even really bother trying to make this into a... I mean, there's... No, I mean, of, I, I have so many questions about this. So I'm going to start off, what on, how on earth did this come about? Because, you know, you've got Guns of Navarone, which we've talked about, which is, yeah. what, 16, 17 years before? Yeah, uh, yes, early 60s. Yeah. Um, based, right, so it's based on Alistair McLean novel. Yeah. Um, Alistair McLean writes The Guns of Navarone, uh, made into a very successful yep. film. Alistair McLean writes Force 10 from Navarone because he's a man who can sort of see where the money is. Yeah. And, and, and Force... this is in the 60s. And this is in the 60s. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think it's pretty immediately optioned. Yeah. Um, Force 10 from Navarone, the book, starts the moment that 
the guns of Navarone ends. Okay. I mean, it actually, as this film does, it starts with them on the on a Royal Navy ship. I think yeah. this then sort of jumps back to England for yeah. some reason. Yeah. So the timing of this, this is. Guns and Averone, we think, is during the Peloponnesian campaign, which is yeah. late 1943. Yeah. Yeah. And then they've gone back to England. Yeah. Where it's still summer 1943. Yeah. And some time has passed because yeah. Miller has left yeah. the army and joined, you know, yeah. and become a civilian. And Mallory, who is obviously a spy, is for yeah. some reason now, you know, doing food orders yeah. at a commando training camp yeah. I mean, none of this no, just none of this makes sense no no <laughs> so, right but i okay i reckon you right, can get okay. away i reckon you can get away with none of this making sense in narrative <laughs> terms because this film is coming out in what 1978 mm. the previous film was 17 years beforehand and this is a time before easily available home yeah. entertainment no, so no presumably video, very no. few people would have yeah. had fresh in their mind the the first one when they went to see the sequel. Yeah, you basically just put these two guys on the boat, and you you hope that people think that they will think, "Gosh, I'd, I'd forgotten that Robert <laughs> Shaw was in was in the first one." Yeah, <laughs> I, um, I think yes. I mean, so the novel the novel has the same basic sort of setup, yeah. um, except as I say, they're sort of they're taken off this this ship, Royal Navy ship almost immediately, and sort of told they they get sent to Italy, and then yeah. they're told they have to go to Yugoslavia uh, to kill. Yeah. Um, the chap who betrayed them in the first one, who I have to admit, I spent some time trying to think, who the hell? <laughs> yeah, I still don't know, not, and I've done, clear. I've done quite a lot of research, yeah. and I still don't know who it is. Yeah. That but anyway, him. Yeah. They're yeah. supposed to be killing him. Now he's the MacGuffin which gets yeah. him into. Yugoslavia. Um, and you know, yeah. we only watched. I've watched Guns and Never what six months ago or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I sort yeah. of, um, and I still can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, so imagine yeah. it had been 18 years. Yes, I mean, right. No... So, yeah, so, so okay. So, yeah, those, that's how you get away with it. Yeah. Um, basically, what you've got here is a lot of people who have been in very successful films in the last two years. So, uh, Robert Shaw is coming off, off Jaws. Uh, speaking of Jaws, Richard Keel, who plays Jaws in The Spy Who Loved Me, is coming off the back of The Spy Who Loved Me. And joining him from The Spy Who Loved Me is Barbara Back and uh, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers, Carl Weathers yeah. is coming from uh, Rocky. Edward Fox is coming from The Day of the Jackal. Harrison Ford. Coming straight from Star Wars? Far the most interesting bit of casting in this is coming straight from Star Wars. And is right, catch- I want to stop, you, I want to stop right. there because I've got two questions. Only two. Only two. Firstly, <laughs> firstly, what on earth is Harrison Ford doing in this movie as an actor? And secondly, what on earth is the point of Harrison Ford's character's role in this plot as there appears to be precisely none. Why don't I read you some quotes? Go for it, go for it. (laughs) For a relatively minor work that many people might not know existed, Harrison Ford has talked quite a lot about (laughs) Force 10 for Neverone, possibly just trying to work through this in some kind of therapy. So things that Harrison Ford has said about why he made this film. To take advantage of the chance to work. I... (laughs) I did it for the money. Oh, um, great. Inspiring stuff. That's, uh, he said about it, he said, I was lost because I didn't know what the story was about. I didn't have anything to act. There was no reason for my character being there. Oh, I'm pleased we I, agree on that. Yeah, I had no part of the story that was important to tell. I had a hard time taking the stage with the bull I was supposed to be doing. And it does, it just catches him. I mean, it just catches him at the moment. I've just got his IMDb listing up here and it's it's very very hard i think for us to think of a pre-1980 
yes, Harrison Ford. But the the Star Wars does not, it seems, instantly make Harrison Ford into a star. Star Wars sort of instantly raises the level of, you know, he's been doing TV stuff before then. And a lot of carpentry. I and a lot so. of carpentry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And Star Wars gets him to a, you can be a supporting actor in a Robert Shaw yeah. film level. <laughs> Other films he makes in 1977, um, I know nothing about this film called Heroes. Uh, that stars Henry Winkler, the Fonz. It, but I'm going to read you the IMDb summary. A, a, a Vietnam veteran suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder breaks out of a VA hospital and goes on a road trip with a sympathetic traveller to start a worm farm in California. Sounds like an absolute classic. <laughs> it, does, it does. Amazingly, and Harrison Ford is a supporting cast in yeah, that. Yeah. He's not even the worm farm guy. He's a worm farm guy. <laughs> Forced him from Navarone, he also at this point makes a film called Hanover Street, about which I can tell you absolutely nothing. He makes Apocalypse Now. Okay. Do you remember who he is in Apocalypse I Now? I don't actually. Right. So he plays a nervous colonel who is briefing Martin Sheen at the start, and does I, he? He does, and I happen to know because I'm reading about Apocalypse Now recently. There's a bit. It, it, it basically he's, he's in the first ten minutes, and yeah. and he's so the character he plays is so nervous that he drops the briefing papers. Yeah. Apparently that was Harrison Ford for real, just wow. really really nervous on set, dropping the briefing papers, and they decide to roll with it because yeah. it sort of it works. It's he's. He's not a star, and he obviously doesn't feel like a star. No, but then it's and, a very quick turnaround. Right, by... well, then, let's talk about Harrison Ford from 1980. Yeah. 1980, The Empire Strikes Back. 1981, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. 1982, Blade Runner. Return of the Jedi. Temple of Doom. Witness. Mosquito Coast. Frantic. Working Girl. Last Crusade. Presumed Innocent. That is his, yeah. 80, that is his 1980s. Yeah. 1991 regarding Henry and his runs over yeah, at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are moments so after this that. this is but... sort of Harrison Ford on the cusp. Yeah, it's but Harrison that's, Ford that's... on the cusp and he doesn't know he's on the cusp. No, but that's Harrison Ford the actor. I go back to Harrison Ford the actor being right about his character though. Who I, I, I just watched the film thinking, what on earth is this character adding to, to anything? <laughs> There's some kind of arithmetic going mm. on here that is... How can we make a successful war movie? Get get yeah. her from the Bond film. Yeah. Get him from the shark film. Yeah. Get him from the spaceship film. Yeah. Put them on the line, I, cast I think, the bomber think, and see what think, happens. Yeah. I, I think readers may be sensing that neither of us thinks this is in anyone's top hundred anything. Mm. This feels to me, as I was thinking about this yesterday, I got an email telling me that um, the Blue Beetle is now available for streaming. And I thought, oh, right. Because I don't, I haven't seen the Blue Beetle in mm-hmm. cinemas. Can't tell you anything about it. Um, yeah. We have reached the point of superhero movies. Yes, where there's... where they're just making stuff on the basis that it's a superhero movie. Maybe somebody will go to see yeah. it. And I feel like 1978 this is, the, is, is the that war moment, Commando film. That um, moment in Commando films is just. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. What have you yeah. got? That's yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and this sort of. Oh well, we'll drop them in, and there'll be some double crossing. Is yeah. sort of a version of. Well, he's going to go into a multiverse where an alternate reality yeah. where he's going to meet himself and he's going to try and save his mother yeah. and all of that, all of that nonsense. It all feels very by the numbers. This plot it does. It well. really does. It's just like yeah. you know, what, all of these different aspects of sort of. It, it's sort of a subgenre of war films. It's sort of the commando film and the commando mission. And this is just a load of tropes from different commando movies mashed up together, set in Yugoslavia, which is slightly, slightly different. 
Um, but yeah, with, with you know, what is objectively a very good cast, just they're not given anything to work with. Would you like to know what Robert Shaw said about it? Oh, God. <laughs> he, said, he said, while making it, he said, I have it in mind to stop making these big budget extravaganzas to change my pattern of life. I wanted to prove, I think, that I could be an international movie star. Now that I've done it, I see the valuelessness of it. He said that while they were making it. Yeah. Tremendous. And then he died. <laughs> I mean, I thought it, 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 it's sad. You're but not it's claiming said, False uh, 10 from Navarone. I don't think False 10 from Navarone. I finished him off. But <laughs> equally, it is sort of, it is, he, 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 yeah, no, he, he doesn't know why he's in it. No. No. None of uh, it's not clear that anyone involved knows knows why they're. In. I mean, it, it's directed by Guy Hamilton, who yeah. you know we've done uh, the Battle of Britain, yeah, which is a big. Uh, but again, you sure. sort of feel like like there's lots of people here who are sort of taking a paycheck. Yeah, I yeah. think yeah. that's um, that's helpfully though. Another reason why they may have made it is set in Yugoslavia, and you can film in Yugoslavia. Um, they've got they've got they've got the right kit lying around. They've still, got they? well, they've got kit lying around. Yeah. I think that that nerdier podcasts yeah. than this would dispute whether or not they've got the right kit. Yeah. But Tito provides two thousand soldiers, good for him, as extras, and some T thirty four tanks. Nice, which we are offered as uh, panzers. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I am not a tank nerd, no, but, but even no, no, I no, looked at yeah, those yeah. and thought that's not a panzer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose actually, I, I can see why Tito thought this was a fine. Yeah, so, I, I mean the the the, the so, partisans come out of it pretty well. Yeah, I mean, they it do, more they do. more or less hits the buttons he wants to hit. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, there yeah, are yeah. there are bad Yugoslavs, but yeah, you know, yeah. I don't think he's got a problem with the idea that they no, were. No, 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 no. Successful um, partisan leader for all the right kind of partisan. Yeah, and actually, so it's a battle that he is sort of supposed to have fought in. Yeah, would wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. I think yeah. I said beforehand that at this point I'm just going to hand over to you, and you're going to give us a quick ten minutes on the Battle of Verterna. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just good. you go back to the partisan war in Yugoslavia. It's one of the more active ones, the Yugoslav partisans. So, okay, when we in Britain think about sort of resistance in occupied Europe, we tend to think of the French resistance and sometimes it gets a bit coloured by Allo Allo and Secret mm. Army and all of this. Yeah. But, um, you know, the French, the French resistance, you know, that's the odd bit of sabotaging railway lines or planting a bomb or assassinating the odd officer or whatever. Um, the partisans in Yugoslavia are much closer to the partisan war in the Soviet Union in that they are, you know, operating in units and fighting the German army in pitched battles. In actual battles. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. actual battles. So, you know, so it's, it's a very different type of resistance. Um, the politics of it in Yugoslavia are very, very complicated. You've got, <laughs> you know, communist partisans, you've got royalist partisans, you've got various different um, sort of ethnic groupings of partisans. It's very, very messy. And the politics are even messier because, you know, they're very close to the Western allies who are fighting their way up through Italy. So they're getting British and American support, but they're also getting Soviet support. And Tito actually is very good at playing off these different sides of support to get what he wants. Um, but it, it's it's a messy situation, which I think actually the film does bring out. Yes. And, um, and the, the Yugoslav campaign is one of these ones where I couldn't tell you a lot about it, but I you do keep coming across famous people who are there or who spend so some time even, there. Even or, war was there at the end of the war. And you know, if you read sort of on a, um, you know, much, you know, much, you know, Sort of on as a fantastic mm. trilogy of books. I mean, absolutely fantastic. But you know, but it's all sort of coloured by his experiences in Yugoslavia at the end of the war, then straight afterwards. 
yeah. and you know watching the communist take of you know even what was many things um not very keen on communism would be um, would be one of them you know it, i mean he thinks what happened in yugoslavia after the war and this takeover by the communists was disgraceful and you know much condemnation from him of his part in it you know as he you know found himself constrained into supporting what he thought was the wrong kind of partisan from the british allied point of view anything that is tying down yeah german forces into some kind of unpleasant war yeah. of attrition in in a way that actually the second half of the 20th century, we will see lots of these. Yeah. Ah, so you have a large army and tanks and you wish to come and fight in our woods. Yes, yes. That's, you know, those kinds of battles. Yes. Um, that's a, yeah. Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's see how yeah. that works out. That, this this yeah. is that kind of, yeah. um, you can see what's in it for us. Yeah. Hi, I'm Katie Riley. On the slow newscast from Tortoise, Donald Trump became the first former U.S. president in history to face a criminal trial. The defendant repeatedly made false statements on New York business records. This is not a trial. This is not a, an act of criminality. We cannot and will not normalize serious criminal conduct. This is the story of his first week in court told through the transcripts. Listen now to the Slow Newscast wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to the After Action Report. Quick, Dad, they're on the cable car. Are there any moments at all, Duncan, in which you would like to be called in? I, I, I mean, honestly, probably not. Um, I mean, there are some decent enough action sequences, but the problem is once I'd seen them, I'd then feel sort of, you know, in, burdened to stay and watch the rest of the film. I mean, if you could make me like a YouTube clips video of of the best scenes, I could name some scenes I'd like in that. But I mean, it actually made me think of the modern Mission Impossible films. The, I mean, the, the, those are made much more expensively yeah. and much more beautifully, but that essentially someone has sort of got, well, we'll have a, we'll have a car chase through a central yeah, European yeah, city yeah. and... We'll have him. We'll have Tom Cruise dangle off something. Yeah, and, same same with um, many of the modern Bonds as well. You've you know, got you've got you've got your touchstones you need to hit. Yeah, so, yeah. can somebody write a linking scene to yeah. explain how they get from from here to there? Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's, not very much money is spent on that. Yeah. that, that scene. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so much of this that makes no sense. Why? Why yeah. are they stealing a Lancaster? I, I, yeah. Even even the even the offered explanation makes no sense. You're stealing a Lancaster. And Harrison Ford's going to fly it, but you're not going to bother to have anyone man the guns. No, no, no I'm just going to because you know because flying over that part of Europe in a British yeah. bomber is fine at this time. <laughs> um, why is Carl Weathers under arrest? Do we ever establish no, what it is he's supposed I, I, to have I, I, done? We don't. We don't. Right? We don't. I, uh, you know that's fine. He's a medic and also a knife thrower. He must have done something really bad. Yeah. Because he'd rather get on this, you know, <laughs> go with these guys than stay and face the heat. So yeah. yeah, this is not he's not he's not being arrested for oh, sort yeah. of being off base an no, hour late, no, is he? No, right? no, it's probably related <laughs> to knife throwing. Yeah, I mean, it's um bad guy. I, it also it feels I mean the bit where Robert Shaw is trying to persuade the German that actually they're they're deserters. I mean, again, that feels incredibly recognisably Alistair MacLean, but yeah. you sort of feel like you've seen it done better in Where Eagles Dare. Yeah, I honestly don't think you got that many deserters from the Allies to the Germans at this point in the war. <laughs> no, I mean, that's sort of... I, there are other places yeah, you might go and we'd hide like, out. We'd like, we'd like to join up with you guys who are so obviously losing because <laughs> yes. there'll be no repercussions for us at some point down the line. <laughs> Germans, right to be suspicious. <laughs> 
She's not so dumb. There is one woman yeah. in this film, Barbara Bach. Shall we combine this with the uh, Dan Buster's dog yeah, award I think, for problematic I feel, I feel, moments? I feel, I feel that's I feel that's sensible. I, I, so I mentioned to somebody who I suppose is about fifteen years older than me that we were doing this film, uh, and he reacted with a frankly a surprising level of enthusiasm. And then I remembered that he would have been about eighteen when it came out, seventeen, yeah. and I think it's possible that. You see a bit more in this film than you might otherwise have got you yeah. on on the telly. Yeah. So it may have a special place in his heart. <laughs> but I don't think I, I the, the whole Barbara back in the bath scene is just gratuitous. Yeah. I, the, I know. The, the, to, to my modern mind. No, but there there, there is no need for it. There, yeah. That, absolutely not. Sort of. But I guess quite, it's on that list quite, with like you know cable cars and um quite shocking to find in a film that i remember watching as an eight-year-old i don't know whether i just don't know whether they would have cut that i don't know whether that i know they, I, they I must often, have cut that for yeah i often viewing. think there must have been cuts for yeah afternoon. yeah um, <laughs> that's, um i mean the other the other problematic moment but at least it's within the film is the the bits where they're calling um carl weathers blackie yeah you yeah, know yeah, i mean yeah, but at least that's sort of okay well fair enough yeah, you know they're they're nasty, they're nasty fascist partisans, and yeah. they probably were a bit racist. Yes, you know yes, that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. That, whereas the you feel like Carl Weathers is quite happy with those scenes. Yeah, whereas I not completely convinced. Yeah, agreed, you know, agreed, yeah, agreed. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think the language there is you know it's yeah I mean it's coming from characters who are supposed to be a fascist militia. Yeah. I mean you know yeah. It's, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, it could have been worse. Probably they were not, you know, tremendously woke. No, 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 I'd imagine very, yeah, very unwoke. Um, the casualty list, you want to have a guess at the body count? I remember when we did um, Guns of Navarone being surprised by the body count. I mean, is this higher or lower? Lower. Is it lower, is it? Well, because they all get off the bridge. Yes. So with the Guns of Navarone, what does it? Is, you know, sort of 200 Germans are blown yes. up with the guns. Yes. Um, it's 79. Still quite high. It's still quite high, yeah. But you know, I mean, yeah. sort of. Um, <laughs> it could have. It could have been could've, worse. Yeah, could have been worse. Could have been worse. Um, the Cooler King Award for the most gratuitous American character. Is it Harrison Ford? Well, I think it's between Harrison Ford and Carl Weathers. Yeah, I mean, we could give a rare joint award in that neither of them is neither, adding. Neither of, these guys. neither of them is adding much to the plot. Neither of their characters make much sense. They are both American. I yeah, mean. I mean, they're, they're both clearly only there for box office reasons. Mm -hmm. He's bought it Sarge Award for Best Death. I have precisely one nomination, which is the decapitated German. Yeah. Which is also a, a just, what the hell is that scene doing there? <laughs> if I had seen that before, I have absolutely no memory of it. That's it. But I, I guess <laughs> it's another one that starts with the storyboards, isn't it? You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, it's sort of, it's sort of clearly, obviously a dummy and, yeah. you know, and everything. But it's, it's, it's yeah. really the only memorable sort of... Yeah. I mean, actually, when we did Guns of Navarone, we talked about the fact that in a commando movie... You know, half the half the team are going to yeah, get well, good deaths. Yeah, well, that's the usual trope. Yeah. But but they don't. No. They, I mean, half the team is do die. But we, but, uh, a bunch of is that never the nature met. of the stars you've assembled for this? Yeah. Do you have a meme? <sighs> you could do the decapitation. I mean, I don't know when you'd use it, but <laughs> I don't. Well, also, I just don't. I think I think for it to be a meme at some level, somebody has to recognise it. Yes, fair. I fair. don't think there is anything from this film that you would recognise, even if you were to show me a clip from it tomorrow, that I would necessarily <laughs> think... Yeah, if you showed me Harrison Ford in the pilot seat, I would assume it was an outtake from Star Wars yeah, or something. Well, you know, or I, even, even an Indiana Jones movie. I mean, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think there are really any stiff upper lips. I no, it's not that, that sort of movie. I notice that Robert Shaw's leg gets better. 
<laughs> you know, when he has to... Actually, no, that's not true. That's not true. There is a stiff upper lip at the point at which they set the they set the timer for 30 seconds. Okay. Because they think they're okay. both going to die. They can have that. And that bit I did rather like. Yeah. You know, won't have so far to run. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> sort of... That was a nice line. Um, the nastiest Nazi is obviously Les Gavar. Yes. Who is a good baddie. He's a good baddie. He's a good baddie. Uh, this this but, film, actually, the baddies are a bit more interesting than the yes. goodies in this film. Yeah, but... If you're Robert Shaw, if you're Mallory and you're convinced that he's a traitor and you've yeah. been convinced he's a traitor all the way through, you're, why not at the moment at which it's you and your team and him yeah. on the way back from um, from the sort of the jailbreak, yeah. just shoot him. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. just shoot him there. Yeah, you, you, you're making just, the mistake, you're making the mistake <laughs> of inserting logic into this plot, which we've established has no logic. <laughs> Loose lips. I only have one nomination. Um which is they're Germans. They're going to be punctual. <laughs> when they're saying that, that scene, actually, all of that scene kind of works. I mean, I quite, I quite like the discussion on blowing up the bridge. And you know, the finest engineers of, uh, you know, yeah, it might be the best engineers. I'm the best at blowing stuff up. It's quite, is all right. Yes. No. I mean, Edward Fox does quite well in this. Yeah. Actually, I've always felt like he was an actor who was a little bit sort of trapped. He's very good in Day of the Jackal. Yeah. Then he plays Edward in Edward and Mrs. Simpson, and then. Yeah. Basically, it's sort of, he's kind of popping up in things of war movie foxes. I think we've agreed that his brother is better than King Rat. Uh, But that's the interesting thing is this is another film like King Rat, you know, adapted from a successful commercial novelist. You know, know, neither James Clavel nor Alston McLean any pretensions to be sort of a literary writer. They're both sort of writers of bestsellers. And yet, one of those films has a script and a plot which works, that feels like there's been a novelist involved. Yeah. This one really doesn't. This one moves so far from yes. the Alison McLean novel that Alison McLean apparently then rips the plot of this off for another novel. Oh, there we go. There we go. It's quite different. Then, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, well, I, although when I, I read the synopsis, because I have, I have read the novel yeah. as a schoolboy, but uh, the only thing I can remember is is the sort of the beginning of it. Yeah. Uh, when I looked it up, I couldn't tell. It didn't look that different. The thing that absolutely had stayed with me for 40 years, and I don't think I had watched this between the ages yeah. of 8 and 49, was the blowing up the dam to knock down the bridge. Yes. Because I think that I, I, I know I watched this film with my dad, and my dad thought this was tremendously clever yeah, yeah, and yeah. was explaining it to me. Yes. And we, we both thought this is, this yeah, is yeah. oh, that's, that's, that's clever. That's, yeah, um, yeah. That's you, you do like a bit of physics. We though, do like, we do like, we like engineering, we like engineering failures. Yeah. And, Judgment at Nuremberg. Where are we on war crimes here? I sort of feel like the Chetniks were just offered as war criminals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which I mean, is, that, which is I think that is fair. fair. Is that probably, I yeah, it's a nasty partisan war on both sides. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I yes. I mean, uh, obviously, sort of shooting a man without a court martial is very much a, yeah. a drumhead. Is it a drumhead court martial? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much frowned upon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Although that's what Churchill wanted to do at, uh, at Nuremberg. Yeah. In fact, is just 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 sort of Where, read out it, the charges yeah. and shoot them all. Yeah. <laughs> Stalin wanted a process. You know, Stalin liked to show trial, I suppose. Yes. You know, I'd, yeah. I'd, there I'd was a good, on this. There was a better than this uh, yeah. Radio Four drama a couple of years ago yeah. about the run up to Nuremberg, yeah. which I, I recommend to people, yeah. uh, possibly instead of watching Four Street <laughs> from Navarro. <laughs>
<laughs> Duncan, is this the operation that changed the course of World War Two? No. <laughs> no. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like all of this sort of, you know, the, the partisan war. I mean, it does tie down a lot of German troops very usefully that then aren't in Italy or France or or, or on the Eastern Front or on the Eastern Front. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's very, um, it's a, yeah, it, it's a very useful, you know, for a comparatively cheap use of Western and Soviet resources. That you know, it, it it pays for itself, but no, it doesn't doesn't change the course of World War Two. Worth dying for. How does this film stand up? I, th- I feel we sort of know both of our answers. So instead, I'm, I'm going to leave you with a final Harrison Ford quote as he sort of wrestled with some of the choices he'd made in his life. It wasn't a bad film. There were honest people involved and it was an honest effort. But it wasn't the right thing for me to do. Force 10 from Navarone. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Next week, to coincide with the release of Ridley Scott's Napoleon, we're wheeling the big telly into the classroom and watching Waterloo. <laughs>